0: Um I think a lot of people fail on their first flip and they just think, "Oh, I I got to go get a job, you know, whittle my way out of this debt. You know, how am I going to do this? It's going to take years, blah blah blah. All I could think about was, "Oh my god, I need to find like three more flips to do to make up for this loss."
1: What's going on guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth podcast where I, Kyle from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up, guys? This week's exciting guest on the podcast is absolutely awesome. Damon and his company are doing incredible things in the real estate investment industry, in particular, development and new construction custom homes. Damon shares so much value in this episode from his initial jump into real estate and some huge lessons from one of his first projects, a dive into building custom new construction homes, tips for using other investors' capital, and so much more. There is so much to take in from this episode and I hope you enjoy. Let's jump right into the episode. What's up guys? Welcome to episode 89 of the Creating Wealth podcast. Today we get the great pleasure of chatting with Damon Amato, an awesome investor located around the Newburyport, Massachusetts market. He is also a co-owner of Downeast Residential, an amazing development and building company focused in Boston, the North Shore, and Central Mass. What's going on Damon? How are you my friend? How's things New going, dream,
0: brother? Every day.
1: <laughs> Love to hear it. That that is the dream. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to kind of jump straight into things, man. You know, tell us a little bit about you know your real estate story, how you kind of you know found the industry and investing, and tell us your your superhero backstory, if you will.
0: <laughs> sure. So um, I actually got my bachelor's degree in athletic training from Northeastern University. Mm-hmm. and um still i'm actually the head athletic trainer at lowell high school in lowell massachusetts so i've been doing that for 18 years um my company bay state athletic training services has a contract with the city so i'm actually self-employed there so um this year i'm actually working on hiring somebody so that i can have a little bit more time for uh for real estate stuff it's just beginning to eat more and more into my day. So I just have to make that uh, kind of change. So I started investing in real estate 2015. Um, I went through a fortune builders uh, education course, um, met a bunch of people, including my now business partner. And, um, you know, uh, started with a big uh, condo conversion flip on Salisbury beach, almost went bankrupt and lost my shirt. Um did a few more flips and wholesales from there and uh, we've been gradually building our business uh, since then. And now we, uh, we build luxury spec homes. We have a, a, a portfolio of rental properties, We do enti- we entitle land, so we, um, we buy raw land and we permit it for highest and best use. And we also are general partners in some syndications.
1: That's wicked exciting, man. So what kind of gave you that, like, you know, desire to kind of like start investing in real estate, you know, back in 2015?
0: Uh, Actually, I could tell you exactly (laughs) what happened. I got um, every quarter, I think, you get um, a, a letter from the government about your social security benefits and what they will be if you keep working and this is when you retire and blah, blah, blah. And it came out to, I, I don't even remember, a few hundred dollars a month or something. And I said, well, that's not very much. Let me look at our 401k, because my, my wife was a nurse. Uh, she had a nice 401k with an employer match. I had a 401k with an employer match. We put in the full amount every month that we could. And um, you know, I just calculated out, okay, so in you know 2045, when we want to retire, um, what is our income going to be? And it, it was like I don't even remember. It was like 4000 $4, dollars a month or something like that. And then I was like, okay, well, that's that's it. But in twenty forty five, if you take into account inflation <laughs> and um, cost of living, and what how much do we need per month to uh, you know keep up basically the same lifestyle that we are now. And that came out to about ten grand a month, so I was like, "Oh well, well that doesn't work." <laughs> so um, I need to find something else that's going to supplement that and make it work. So I found real estate.
1: Yeah, just you know, just a little roundup. That's all for ten. Yeah, 10 exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's totally crazy, man. I mean, especially now, you know what I mean? It's uh, it's currently June of 2022, guys, and the inflation is absolutely running rampant right now. Um. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a super good point. You know, and I wanted to ask you too, cause I was curious, did you, when you found fortune builders, did you go to like, you know, one of like the first seminars and then, you know, like kind of buying like the weekend class and like going to that and kind of keep going.
0: Right. So I heard the ad on the radio it's, you know, come to this two hour information session, um, which was like a 90 minute spiel from, I don't, I have no idea who it was. Uh, just said, you know, this is how it works. You can flip houses with no money of your own. You can be rich. We're going to tell you how to do it. Come to this weekend thing, and we'll tell you. It will explain all about what we do. And it was like um, it was like 300 bucks for the weekend. So I said, okay, well, 300 bucks why not, let's let's do it. Um, I went with my mom. Uh, spent through the whole weekend, and. A lot of what they were saying kind of resonated with you know i was like ah you know what i could i could do this because i actually built my house in 2008 uh not having any idea how to build houses (laughs) um and it's still here so i i mean there's that so um you know we went through the weekend course i wanted to you know they say like oh we have to interview you to see if you want to be part of our mastery group and uh and join in and and pay us twenty five thousand dollars. Um, and, and I thought, I mean, who doesn't take $25,000 from people who doesn't like, do they ever turn anybody away? I kind of doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I joined up and, uh, learned, I went through all the courses very quickly learned everything I could from there. I went to real estate meetups. Um, and then, like I said, uh, uh, on Facebook, my now business partner actually posted for the first deal that I ever did. And, um, it was a huge mistake. Um, it was a five unit condo conversion on Salisbury beach. It was my first deal. So I had to get a hard money loan. Um, one of the buildings was below the flood plain and I didn't realize this until about two weeks before the closing. So my mortgage, uh, payment plus my flood insurance payments for the first four months of that project was $33,000 a month. Wow. Um, and I didn't have $33,000 total. So I ended up, you know, I put some wholesales together. I took draws and I essentially paid the lender back with his own money. Um, I, I got through it without losing my shirts but I came close to losing my shirt part not not because of the deal mostly was put, uh, mostly because of my contractor that I had to fire
1: mm-hmm.
0: because what happens is you're in, in a, a FEMA regulated uh, floodplain. if you, you you have to get a, an appraisal on the building and you're only allowed to renovate up to 50% of the value the appraised value of that building, And if you go over that, then you have to bring all zoning code and building code up to today's code, which means that my three unit building would have turned into a two unit building on pilings. And that would have definitely bankrupted me. Uh, But instead, uh, my contractor ended up um, pulling out a wall here, a wall there, not knowing that if you do this, then that would trigger the the FEMA issue. So he ended up doing that. And the building inspector said, well, you've taken out too much of the drywall. You need to gut the building. And now you need to prove to me that you're going to renovate the building for 50% of the appraised value of the building. And so my original budget for that building was just going to be a fluff and buff. It was like, it was like $90,000 total. And then he's, he essentially asked me to prove that I would have a budget to gut renovate a 3,000 square foot building for um, $100,000 because the appraised value was 200. So uh, I put a budget together and I gave it to him and he said, okay. And we, I kinda, he looked at me and I looked at him and we both said, you know, you're full of it. I know you're full of it, but <laughs> I don't want to call FEMA and neither yeah. do you. So just do it. So thankfully I did that. However, that wasn't the real cost. So my $90,000 budget went up to about 260,000. Wow. So that, that uh, came pretty close to crushing me.
1: That's insane. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. crazy too. Like, is that kind of across the board when it comes to that, um, I guess like that line between, you know, doing like your renovation on a project and like kind of crossing over that 50% threshold to have to do like a hell of a lot more. Like, is that kind of like across the board or like, was that just kind of for That's
0: that's only for um, FEMA regulated buildings that are in the flood zone. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So um, there's a special situation, one that I was not prepared for, not educated for, not ready for, Um, uh, but I'm still here. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh.
1: So how was that, I guess, kind of going from, you know, getting out of that project, I assume, you know, probably kind of like recovering a little bit. Um, I guess what was kind of going through your head, you know, kind of like jumping into like the next move or, you know, kind of going towards like the next project and and maybe kind of reevaluating a little bit Um, and, you know, not just kind of throwing in the towel and, and, you know, kind of keep moving forward.
0: A lot of people do that. Um, I think a lot of people fail on their first flip and they just think, oh, I I got to go get a job, you know, whittle my way out of this debt. You know, how am I going to do this? It's going to take years, blah, blah, blah. All I could think about was, oh, my God, I need to find like three more flips to do to make up for this loss. Yeah. Um, because that's, I mean, it's what I wanted to do and I know I could do it. I wasn't mm-hmm. just going to give up there after, you know, one thing went, went bad and, um, you know, just surrender. That's just not in my DNA. So, mm-hmm. uh, and it, and it did, I mean, even, even doing flips and wholesales, uh, still took me a couple of years to dig myself out of that hole. Yeah. Um, but I eventually did. And now I'm, you know, uh, you know, what I would consider at least fairly successful, um, and getting better every day
1: (laughs) of course that's that's golden definitely (laughs) so tell me a little a little bit about um your company you know what kind of gave you guys like the the idea to you know actually start like a structured you know kind of like development um like organization you know to kind of start to to take on you know more projects
0: um well, so my business partner originally was partnered with his brother, who was the contractor, and his brother um, was not uh, emotionally ready for for big swings and issues to happen, and going you know six seven months without a paycheck uh, kind of thing. So he actually ended up moving back um, north to Maine to do uh, homeowner jobs. And my partner and I are the opposite. I, I can't stand dealing with homeowners. <laughs> um, e- even houses that we build, a lot of them we pre-sell. Yeah. And it, even when we do that, I always tell my agent, I, I don't want to talk to the buyer.
1: <laughs> Let me just do me and we'll just keep moving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and that stems from, we had a, a buyer uh, a few years ago and uh, wanted to make a couple changes and a couple changes ended up being a full custom house. And so it was our mistake kind of allowing that to happen. But and it ended up being a pretty sick, ridiculous house. <laughs> um, but we ended up and we made a little bit of money on it. Not nearly as much as we should have, certainly not for the time and effort that we put in to give him what he wanted. Yeah. Um, but he got it and I think he's happy now. And at least I'm, I'm happy about that. I just, uh, uh, you know, made me a lot better at running contracts.
1: so let me ask you this that's that's really interesting so what if you know you're putting like a a pretty custom like building together and i assume your answer to this probably might have been different from you know going through that job with that guy you know making a lot of the the more personalized changes um you know versus afterward (laughs) but um so like if you were building like more of like a, a custom Home for somebody, and then you know, like say things didn't work out or something, and like they really personalized it a ton. Like, does it kind of, or I should say, can it potentially put you in a spot where like it's so custom based on like what the last guy wanted, and like the last guy had to back out or like couldn't purchase it for some reason, where like you know you're kind of worrying if it's like, like over. Um, I don't know how to word it. Well, like the, way overdone, we, <laughs> the way we get around
0: that <clears throat> is um, if we pre-sell a spec house, yep. then we ask for what changes they want up front before that purchase and sale agreement is done. Gotcha. And and then they and they prepay for those changes. Oh. And then if there are changes during the building process, then I write up what we call a, um, additional work authorization and we attach a minimum fee to that in addition to cost of labor and material plus a markup from us Mm -hmm. and they need to pay for that ahead of time also because like you say I mean you know what if they end up uh you know wanting you know pink floors and we put those in and then they back out of the house what are we going to do with these floors but if they prepaid for it, then you have the ability to okay, we can take those out and put it in a regular floor. Yeah. For example, well, yeah, I mean, we actually got, I got that question earlier last week. Um, we just started building a house in a Newburyport, and somebody wanted a pool, and they said, "Oh, can we put that? You know, just add that to the purchase price and put it at the end." And I said, "No, no,", no. <laughs> because for a couple of reasons. Number one, if we add that to the purchase price, now I have to pay a commission on something that you're gonna pay for. And also, what if I pay $200,000 to put a pool in and then you don't buy the house? I didn't wanna put that pool. Um, and not only that, uh, the budget that I gave my bank didn't include a pool. Yeah. So where am I gonna get this money?
1: <laughs> a little bit of an awkward conversation there.
0: <laughs> right, right. So we've gotten, and I think we we have a reputation now that we build very high quality houses so, you know, I don't mind telling or uh, I wouldn't say being aggressive about it, but I don't mind being very stern in our stance. Like if you want this, like, um, you know, I know I might have a conversation about it. Uh, I think we get that from a, uh, another builder locally who's been building for many, many years, and he is very well known to not be the nicest guy. uh, which is a a nice way to put it, but he's had people come in and tell him, oh, we want to uh, put in, you know, um, you know, this type of light in here, or, and that goes with this, this kind of floor and this painting. And if he doesn't like it, he will just say, no, find somebody else. I'm not putting that. I'm not building that. Sorry. Uh, but he has the reputation for it. In fact, I I believe last time I talked to somebody, the first conversation he has with people is that if you're getting a custom house built by him, then you can expect to walk in day one underwater because he is very expensive to build. Interesting. (laughs) And people still do it. Yeah. They don't care because they want, he built some of the nicest houses I've ever seen. Yeah. So Some, you know, people just don't care. They want what they want. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Definitely. So how has the, um, how has it kind of been with like, you know, a, a lot of the markup and stuff on like the building materials and um, like a lot of that kind of thing. Like, how has that kind of changed? Like, I guess, margins for you guys or like, you know, having to, to wait for materials longer or how has that kind of like impacted you guys? Yeah,
0: that definitely affects us for sure. Um, in fact, that sort of custom house we built, I, ordered his appliances in August of 2020 and the last one I got a month ago
1: a month ago oh my goodness yeah. <laughs> Jesus wow
0: I mean he wanted high-end uh niche I-, I think it was a um it was like a gen air five-in-one speed oven it was a, a, a kind of a rare piece but still yeah that took a while yeah, yeah. So that certainly that certainly hurts a little bit, um, especially for a, a spec house because you have a set budget you can't change it. Mm-hmm. It actually makes it a little bit easier if we were doing a custom house for somebody because we do our our um, our, our payment structures is different for those. We generally will do uh, cost plus with either a management fee or a percentage. Um, Or, well, that's that's basically how we do it with custom houses. So that if if material costs rise or they change their mind on what they're buying, it, it doesn't matter because that's not affecting how much money we're making on it very much.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So just out of curiosity, when it comes to building like a new construction, like is that... Like do you typically use like hard money for that or you know with like the construction draws and stuff like that or does it kind of kind of um
0: we actually used to have a hard money lending company um well, we still technically do I just don't do it very often yeah um only because it's it tends to be not totally worth our time so um which is fine there's I when we were doing it I you know I got to know all the other good hard money lenders, uh, in new England. So I know, uh, you know, all the guys that, uh, like Renovo and crowd lending and, um, uh, a, a bunch of others. So I know all those guys, I know the industry very well. We haven't had to use hard money for ourselves ourselves in maybe three or four years. So we get traditional financing mm-hmm. or from banks, and then we tend to get a private investor to fund the down payment um, and fronting costs. And we do that for a couple of reasons. Like you know, could we put our own down payment down? We could. but we could only do that for one, maybe two builds at a time. Yeah. Uh, for, for example, the house we're building now, we had to buy the lot for 450,000. And it's going to cost about $750 to build the house, uh, more than that. Actually, more like $850 to build the house. Wow. So, you know, the down payment for that is over a couple hundred grand. So could we use our own money and do one, maybe two houses a year? Or could we get some private investors to fund those? And now we can do five, six, yeah, maybe even more. Um, all depends. And the other reason, too, is because we've had a couple of len- private lenders who are with us for more than a decade at this point. And th- these are guys we we literally I don't even have to do paperwork with them. I just keep an Excel sheet of their loans. Mm-hmm. And I just I basically just text them to say, I need this. much, You know, I need 200 grand in the next two weeks. Here's the account to wire it to. And and we do that. But if you start using your own money instead of theirs. They keep saying, when is the next deal? When, where are you putting all my money? I need my money to work. Yeah. If you don't do that, they might find another place for it. So that's the biggest reason why sure. Does it cost us more? Yeah. A little bit, but our deal still pencil fine without a problem.
1: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense too. I mean, to your point of, you know, kind of having that dynamic between, you know, keeping as much liquidity as you can to, like you said, you know, have like multiple projects going on at a time instead of having like, you know, all your capital tied up in in one, two, whatever the case may be. And also, you know, having that really, really strong relationship with that, you know, private lender and, you know, make him happy, make you guys happy, like spread out a lot more projects and like everybody's hunky dory. (laughs) It it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Wow. (laughs)
0: And we do the same thing with our rental portfolio too. Yeah. So we'll bring in, because we do use the Burr method to stabilize rentals. So we'll have them put their money in for down payment. Um, they'll get a, uh, you know, percentage of the net profit while it's being stabilized. And then once we've done a cash out refi and they've got all their capital back, then their equity, uh, um, drops down. So there, we usually do like a 70, 30 partnership while it's being stabilized and the, so we have the 70, but whatever cash we make, we actually pay down their principal to make it easier to do the cash out refi, you know, a year, 18 months later, get them paid off. And then their equity goes down to 10% forever. So, um, we get, we've got a lot of good responses with private lenders for that because, their money's tied up for a very little time they're always making money and then when they get their money back they still have equity in the building forever
1: that's huge that's a really cool way to structure it yeah wow so with um tell me a little bit about kind of like the first time that you used partners like you know what were you kind of feeling like were you kind of like a little sketched out to like you know have other people's money on the line or like were you ready like all right you know let's take this um, thing down together like A little bit of bulk. (laughs) uh,
0: I think at the outset, if you just always consider your investors' money your own money, then that makes it a lot easier. Gotcha. If I wouldn't put my money in this, why am I putting your money in this? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. If something goes wrong and your money is at risk, I have to treat it as if my money is at risk. And that's how you have. That's really how you have to think about. It. Yeah. Um, because even you know we've had um, you know a project here or there where we had like a second position lender, and many things went wrong, and they got all their principal back and they got about half their interest back, and what we did was I think we owed them like like twenty five hundred dollars of interest. And we just said, okay, well, we're just going to attach that as a mortgage to this other project here. And when that sells, then you'll get your 2,500 back. Um, so, and that's why we have a great relationship with our private lenders. Cause they, they know, even if something goes wrong, you're still going to be made whole if, Definitely. eventually. Definitely. And I think, I think they really, they really do appreciate that they, they, they really do understand that we treat their money as if it was our money.
1: Hmm. Yeah. It, it sounds absolutely huge, you know, and then I assume, you know, if they're happy, like, you know, kind of knowing that, you know, their, their capital is always going to be there. Like, you know, is it, I guess like a lot less of an ask, you know, like if like they would be interested in the next project and the next project and like, Hey, you know, you want to just, you know,
0: <laughs> Yeah. I mean, a lot of our guys just are always looking to keep their money with us. And two of them, actually, when I tell them, oh, you're getting your money back. And the response I always get is like, what are you talking about? I don't want my money back. Put it in something else. (laughs) Um, They just always want that money working. So um, we always have not only multiple deals, but multiple types of deals Mm -hmm. to put their money in. So that we can, you know, kind of diversify it in that way.
1: That's cool. What, uh, if you had to pick a favorite, like what's, what's kind of like your favorite kind of deal to do, you know, like a new construction or like a development or
0: like wholesale Um,
1: flip. If you had to pick one,
0: maybe it's a a dumb answer, but whatever, whichever one makes the most money, I guess. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Or builds the most wealth potentially. Mm -hmm.
1: So,
0: I mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I like the spec homes that we build because they, you know, we're pretty proud of the end product, and um, you know, it's a huge ego boost when a bunch of realtors come by and tell you how beautiful the house is you just built. And that's cool. Um, a lot of times at the end when we're done, um, if it's not sold, uh, or sometimes even if it is, then we'll have a you know generally have a party at the house. So we'll invite local realtors, investors, our lenders, um, contractors. uh, And actually that's how we've sold a few of our houses is through those kind of parties. But those types of things are, are, we treat them as a reflection of our business. So sometimes people host like meetups at their own fix and flip and they get like, you know, a few pizzas and soda and wine and yeah. Uh, to me, all I can think about is, um, I guess maybe you should be, um, you know, really showing off your your ability to do well in business. And and when you can only maybe afford pizza and soda, it's kind of a reflection of how you run the rest of your business potentially. Yeah, um, I could be wrong on that, but it may, I think that's just a personal opinion, but. You know, when we host a party, we have, uh, you know, we have a bartender with special drinks that have to do with the, the house that we just built. We get it uh, catered by a local catering company. We, um, a few years ago, we built a modern farmhouse. So we had a guy on the porch with a banjo, playing the banjo.
1: That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so,
0: I mean, nothing like, you know, nothing like million dollar listing level, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's a fun party.
1: Yeah. And that's really cool, too. I I totally understand what you said, you know, about, you know, just kind of, like, how you wanted to, I guess, like, structure something like that, you know, and just kind of show off, like, you know, a, a job well done, and, like, you know, still go to, like, you know, the nines, you know, just to kind of show people, like, uh, like, values, I, I guess you could say, like, you know, this is how we, like, this, or, yeah, I don't even know how to word it, but like this is like a core value to us that like you know everything's like you know straightforward and and like elegant and like like this is the kind of vibe that we're going for and like just to kind of you know carry it through like all the way to the end and that's the coolest thing in the world too like you know like you said you know like with the farmhouse like to just have like a like a theme like a guy playing a banjo like yeah. that's that's working cool you know that's fun like. <laughs>
0: yeah i think people enjoy it it doesn't happen very much around us but again i think it's if people see i think some people do really see wow look at how they went the extra mile just for this event that must be how this house is yeah and and i i think that's true
1: yeah yeah 100% and it, it sounds pretty cool too, you know, just to be able to have like the lenders there and like agents there and like, you know, all the people that kind of made this thing happen and be like, Hey, look, you know, like we built this, like, you know, you guys gave us the financing, you guys built it, like you guys are going to list it. Like that's cool. You know, everybody kind of gets to, to share the, the moment together, I guess. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah.
1: That's cool. So Damon, let me ask you, how do you define wealth?
0: ah define wealth um i'm gonna say wealth is the ability to do what you want how you want and when you want without having to worry about your bottom line and also being able to give back without um being concerned about your income
1: i love it i totally agree (laughs) definitely (laughs)
0: Now I'm going to have to look up a definition to see
1: if that's anywhere close. <laughs> it could be. Everybody's definition is a little bit different. And, like, that's why I really love asking that question is, like, because everybody has just a little bit of a different taste of it or a different flavor, I guess you could say. And Right. right. Yeah. I wanted to ask you earlier, actually. I totally forgot. So what's kind of, like, your your drive and, like, your vision for the long term? You know, for, like, the business, for, you know, like, your, your investing side? um everything i guess <laughs> um
0: i'd like my horizontal income or my passive income to be um to be about 50 million dollars a year eventually yep um i know that sounds like a lot however um i kind of subscribe to uh, there's different uh ways and types of goals that people kind of set like you yeah, have the smart goals and I don't really like those. I I treat them as type A, uh, type A, B, and C goals. So, type a type A goal would be um, getting through this podcast without screwing up. That's (laughs) I've already (laughs) messed up. Simple goal can be achieved, and you can figure out how. Uh, Type B goal would be, um, you know, I want to uh, crush this house that we're building this year and you know get a net profit higher than we ever have on a on a single house before that would be a type b goal a type c goal would be i want to make 50 million dollars a year in passive income and it's a type c goal because i have no idea how i'm going to do it
1: i just know i'm going to get there i bet you will my friend i I love that i really like that too the um kind of having those three like you know like right now all the way to like you know, the really big picture vision. That's, yeah. um, that's cool. You know, just to kind of keep you like, I guess, you know, kind of like keeping like looking straight, I guess you could say, you know, like you you see like the whole, the whole picture, like, you know, what you want to do, like this moment, what you want to do, maybe like, you know, a couple weeks or a couple months from now. And then like the bigger picture and like how, you know, one could lead to the next one and lead to the next one. And I guess like the path i guess you could say (laughs)
0: um yeah sort of but uh, like i said i i have no idea how i'm going to get there i could we're actually building a real estate app right now um and maybe that's going to be worth 500 million dollars or maybe it'll be worth nothing i have no idea (laughs) but we'll see yeah I'll, i'll it'll it'll get there when i when it gets there and it could maybe it's something that I haven't even thought of yet. Maybe it has nothing to do with real estate. Maybe an opportunity gets presented that I had no idea I was gonna be interested in. And that's how we get there. Maybe, or maybe you know, the best deal of our lives uh, falls into our lap and we absolutely crush it. And that leads to, 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 to more things. Um, I mean, that's kind of the way like Steve Wynn, the casino uh, mogul did. He was a real estate developer and he just happened to, Kind of fall into two, three, four, five deals in a row that were all grand slams, and he went from a decently wealthy guy to an extremely wealthy guy, to the point where he says, "Well, now I can build a casino."
1: Yeah, (laughs) and there it is. (laughs) And and now he has—I don't even know how many—six, something like that. Yeah. No, that's, that's so true, man. You know what I mean? And that's what I love about, you know, kind of like the entrepreneurial and like investing space is like, like we literally have like no idea, like as people, like we like might think that we have like the direction and like have everything going forward that we need. And like, this is what we're doing and how we're going to get there. And then tomorrow, like you said, like an opportunity could present itself that could like totally jackknife you sideways, but it's actually 10 times better and like more efficient than what you wanted to do in the first place and it's i think it's the coolest thing in the world you know because like even in real estate or like you said you know with like an app or something like that like like you never know you know i I think it's just um you know kind of always being open to opportunities even if they're like a little bit outside the scope of what you think you want in the moment and just kind of like tasting things out and because like you never know you know and it's it, it's just the coolest thing in the world. Like, you just, we just don't know, you know, like what one, one moment brings to the next. And like, everything could totally change.
0: Right. And that's why it's important to be open every day to new experiences and new, new opportunities. Say yes as often as you can. Yes.
1: <laughs> I love it, man. That's awesome. So, Damon, what is your new or what is your best piece of advice to new investors that want to start and manage their rental portfolio?
0: Um, So this is probably going to piss off a few people. Because it has been. <laughs> That's <before>. okay. <laughs> and I, I'm going to say it anyway, because I don't care. <laughs> if, if you cannot ha- emotionally, mentally, and financially handle a $50,000 loss, don't bother that would be my number one advice.
1: Yeah. I feel you, man.
0: There's no reason to absolutely ruin your life for something you were not prepared for, even if it wasn't your fault. Yeah. But if you, if you can't handle it, don't do it.
1: Yeah. No, honestly, I I really, really like that, you know, because like, I feel like even, do you think it kind of comes with time? like in like kind of being in, I mean, maybe not like, you know, Uh, 50,000 like right off the bat or kind of, you know, (laughs) Sometimes there are
0: some investors I know who have been doing this for 30 years and they're still not very good at it. And there's some guys who've only been doing this a few years and they're doing way better than I am. Uh, And whether that was because they got a little bit lucky, they're just a little bit better. Maybe they started with a little bit more money or more education, maybe some of each um but yeah I mean, a lot of people ask me oh like you know should i be looking at this or doing that or they're always looking for like like that positive like boost me up this Reinforce is how i'm going do it yeah. and then i just kind of like shoot them right <laughs> <down> by, saying, <laughs> by saying something like that but i i would call that tough love yeah because it is absolutely true and the worst thing in the world, I, I hate to see people who, you know, are, part, you know, they're, they're teachers at a high school and they just decide they want to start flipping houses and then they lose their shirt on one and it, it ruins their life yeah. because they weren't prepared for it. And I just, just like the stock market or cryptocurrency, don't put up any money in it if you can't bother to lose every
1: single penny of it. Yep. You're totally right, man. No, I I feel like there's you know, that's a really important lesson. And especially not to go on a tangent here, but that that's kind of uh the reason why I'm I'm not too into crypto. It's like I just I don't know. It's like to me personally, it's just my personal opinion, guys. I don't know. I just I have a hard time kinda getting behind it, I guess you could say. I understand the concept and like, you know, how it's being implemented and in, in different environments and different businesses and, and that type of thing, but I don't know, it just, I have a hard time when I can't actually, like, you know, look at some of the actual, like, data. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like at least with the stock market, like, you can look at, like, past performance and, like, price-to-earnings ratios and, you know, dividend history. Like, you, you can do, like, a little bit of actual, like, analytical homework on it, but... Um, I don't know. I, I just, <laughs> that's the thing that people aren't going to like that I said. <laughs> I, I just, uh, I can't I mean, really yeah. get behind it. You I know?
0: mean, I, I can't totally disagree. I <laughs> I have a little bit of crypto. I know very, very little about crypto. I basically have basically one friend, two friends who know a decent amount about it. And I just ask them what I should do. And I just yeah. like, do a little bit.
1: <laughs> I don't blame you. So. Yeah. No, you're, you're totally right though. You know what I mean? It's, you know, it's, it's not, uh, I mean like just investing in general, you know, especially if it's, like you said, you know, like a flip or, you know, using like a lot of leverage and in, in some way, shape or form, like if, if you're not ready to potentially lose that entire thing and like over leverage yourself to try and, you know, get a vision that may or may not happen on the first time around. Then uh, I think it should definitely be a, a really big decision on, you know, if that's something that would be wise for you to to do.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, and especially like, like you say with crypto, I think a lot of people are putting in way too much money that they should not be putting in because was, as we see right now, a lot of them are are toast, completely toast, and um, the people who bought in came in too high and um put in way too much money or it's now you know it could be gone forever yeah i mean but it's the same way like like you said we do syndications and some of my athletic training friends are like oh i want to you know invest put some money into that and uh, and as soon as i say that i'm always like mm. hmm, how much money do you you actually have And like <laughs> well, i want to put 50 grand in and and they don't understand i'll i'll say like how much is in your actual checking account right now? 52. And they're like, oh, it's like, <laughs> I got like 60, 62 grand. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not taking your money. No. Nah. Like, <laughs> for, for two reasons. Number number one, uh, it's a terrible decision by you trying to give up five, six of all of your cash yeah. to put in a deal that you hope goes well. And you've never done this before. <laughs> and number two, I definitely don't need you calling me every week to see how the portfolio is doing.
1: Because that is gonna bother me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I I don't blame you at all, you know what I mean? It's I feel like the the picture that's that's often painted um across, you know, a lot of these kind of asset classes is like you just put money in and it just brings it back to you. Like everything's guaranteed, everything's hunky dory, like the more you put in, the more you get back. You know, you don't have to do any work, like you know, depending on what it is of course, but it's it's right? not it's not like that. You know, it's I mean, there could be a very a high probability that things could go well, depending on what you choose and, you know, experience and that type of thing. But like nothing's ever guaranteed, you know, and
0: yeah, ex- exactly. And, you know, we've had, we've had deals where we thought we were going to make $300,000 and we ended up making 10.
1: Yeah. And you just never we, know. Yeah
0: you, you just, you just don't know. I mean, what, ha- I mean, I mean, that one, everything, literally everything went wrong. I mean, we, we had to fire at least 10 contractors. We, you know, it went three times as long as it should have, uh, and time kill, kills all deals when you're leveraged.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so man, I got one more question for you. The question is, do you read, and what is your favorite business investing or real estate book that you would recommend to anyone? or like podcasts or anything you consume (laughs) put it that way (laughs)
0: um so so do i read uh i I guess yes i do actually have some some pretty bad add so i I have a lot of trouble with it uh i mean for example I, i still read my kids um books at night before they go to bed and most of the time you know, I'll read them a chapter. And then my son will be like, Oh, what did you think about when this happened? And I'll just be like, I have no idea what I just read to you. And that happens to me pretty often. I have a, I have a real struggle. So I would say so far, probably my favorite book is uh, think and grow rich. Nice. Um, But I've been trying to read that for about five months now. I think I'm on page 40. And, and that is because generally if i even if I sit down and it's'm I'm, I'm doing okay and and I can concentrate a little bit, I still have to read each page probably four to five times yeah just to retain that mm-hmm. And that I mean that's always been the case for me even in high school college um, I, I've always had that issue I just have a Japanese game show going on up there and I just can't turn it off.
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't blame you, man, especially, you know, like some of those kind of books that like, can be really heavy, <laughs> you know, like, like a lot to take in, I guess.
0: I mean, it's not even so much that it's heavy, it's just that uh, my mind tends to wander, especially if I'm, if I'm stressed about something, then my mind will drift, I'll be thinking about other things. Um, I can just, uh, I, I go from, and the crazy thing is, I can be, I can be watching a group zoom texting somebody writing an email paying a bill all at the same time no problem whatsoever can handle all that without any kind of problem at all sit down and read a book i can't do it
1: yeah no thank you so so much for coming on here man that was absolutely awesome um we're on like social media and and stuff can you the business uh everything you get.
0: <laughs> um, so our website is Downeastresidential.com. You can I think we are Downeast Residential on Instagram. Um, I don't think we have a Twitter and Downeast Residential on Facebook. Um, although I won't be on Facebook because someone hacked my account yesterday, and so I'm in Facebook jail for the next 30 days.
1: Oh so. boy. Yeah. The struggle <laughs> yeah, is what it is yep. not
0: the, i'm not the first person that's happened to
1: <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> yeah but um yeah yeah I'll, I'll drop everything below thank you so so much again man that was absolutely awesome um it was a, a pleasure to have you on the show <laughs> great thanks for having me all right guys that concludes our creating wealth podcast episode for today I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully you could take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Bigger Pockets. Until next time, let's build together.